Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to Naples United Church of Christ. My name is Dawson Taylor. I have the great privilege of serving as senior minister. And no matter if you're here in the sanctuary, if you are worshiping with us virtually, we are grateful to have you with us. And I'd like to ask those of you who are in the sanctuary to please use uh, the blue registration pads and register your attendance. And also make sure that everyone on your row has that same opportunity so that we know that you're here. And those who are uh, worshiping uh, virtually, if you will use the comment section and let us know where you're worshiping from so that we know how best to be in ministry together. And good morning. I'm Reverend Angela Wells-Bean, and it's my privilege to serve as your Minister for Congregational Care. And also thank you for being here on this special Sunday in which we are celebrating Dawson's ministry among us. I affectionately called it Dawson Day. So this, And I yeah. told you I thought every day was Dawson Day. So <laughs> No, and we're grateful to have you back from vacation. Yes. I hope that you all had a great time, and uh, I hope that you had a chance to rest a little, because I, I can imagine how restful it is to travel with two children. And, uh, Flying with children yeah, is just so relaxing. No, we had a very good time, but it's great to be back. Yeah, it's good and to I'm be back. very glad I'm here, especially for this important Sunday. It. So thank you all for being here. A quick reminder that today is Communion Sunday. So if you are worshiping with us online, please take this opportunity to prepare your communion elements so that you can participate in that sacrament with us a little later on in the service. And if you're here in the sanctuary and you participated in Cans for Communion today, our monthly collection for the Grace Place Food Pantry, I want to thank you for doing that as their donations are critically low. So everything we give is of, of, of utmost importance. Without a doubt. And I just want to take a a quick moment of privilege because they probably win the award for coming the um, longest distance to be with us. Um, And that is Ken and Lois Warner from uh, Guatemala. They are a part of our mission presence there. And I know you'll get to travel there in uh, October Mm -hmm. to see on the ground all the amazing work that they do. I was just visiting with them, so I don't know where they're sitting. Would you please stand so we can (laughs) greet and welcome you uh, back? I can speak firsthand to uh, all the amazing ministry that they do, having seen it uh, numerous times, but uh, we were just visiting in my office before worship. I don't know that any of us can speak to all the amazing ministry they do in a time of uh, global pandemic in a developing country, and so we're so grateful for what Ken and Lois do, and so it's especially meaningful to have them here this morning, so welcome. We're glad you're here. And I'm probably supposed to do something else. Oh, yes. Um, As an intergenerational congregation, let us center our hearts and minds as we begin worship this morning. Welcome, friends, to this holy day. We have come to offer God our thanks through song and through prayer. We have come to celebrate all that we have accomplished together as pastor and congregation And we look forward to all that God still has in store for our lives. On this day of celebration and thanksgiving, let us stand in body and spirit and join together in singing our processional hymn. And as you are, I would invite you to remain in your bulletin and join with me in our invocation. Let us pray together. Loving God. We are often not the Easter people we should be, 
living in the certain knowledge of your great mercy and love, distracted by the world around us, we fail to hear your voice. Send the presence of the risen Christ so that we may glorify you here and in all places. Amen. I now invite you to be in a spirit of prayer with me as I offer this morning's pastoral prayer. Almighty God, you are the God of beginnings and endings and the liminal spaces in our lives. We have come to a time of transition in the life of our church in which we are saying goodbye to one among us who has been a leader for over eight years. Many people say that all good things come to an end, but we know more accurately that all things end, all lives all events. Every season has its moment, but nothing aside from you and your love is permanent. It is natural and normal for things to end, but how we handle endings is a reflection of our faith in you. We trust, O God, that our time this morning gives glory and honor to all that we have done together in your name under Dawson's leadership. We hope this is a time for expressing gratitude for one another, celebrating our accomplishments, and acknowledging that we have fallen short as pastor and people. To err is to human, is to be human, but how we behave after we err is also a reflection of our faith in you. And so we trust that our time this morning gives us the sacred opportunity to lament our wrongs and ask for forgiveness so that this is a good goodbye. And while there have been missteps along the way, we have also engaged in life-changing, soul-nourishing ministry, and for that we give you thanks and praise. May all that we have accomplished together embolden this church to look forward with faith and hope and optimism, and may our accomplishments empower Dawson to go into his next venture in the full confidence that he did good and faithful work in this place, for which we are so grateful. And yet we know that this morning is not solely about us and our church, but all that we have done together on behalf of the wider world. And so we hold in our hearts all the people who have benefited from the ministries of our church under Dawson's leadership, all of our mission partners, We remember the community leaders he partnered with who continue to do good and important work among us. And we remember the work still left undone. The people around the world suffering from the tragic consequences of misguided lawmakers who have taken their nations to war. We remember all those who are personally suffering, who are grieving, who are processing a recent diagnosis, who are lamenting the ending of a relationship. There is so much ministry in this world yet to be carried out, and we look forward to all the ways we can stand alongside those who are struggling so that nobody walks alone. Holy and gracious God, we all came to church this morning with different thoughts, cares, and concerns on our minds. And so this morning we continue our prayers in the silence of our hearts as we listen to the prayer that your son Jesus taught us. 
This morning, scripture reading comes from 2 Timothy, and you're invited to follow along if you so choose, because the text is printed in your bulletins. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. May God bless our modern hearing of these ancient words. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we continue to give you thanks for the gift of this day. And we ask, O oh God, that in this time of worship, you would speak either through me or in spite of me. But that above all else, we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. On Sunday, October 20th, 2013, I preached my first sermon here at Naples United Church of Christ, a candidacy sermon to become associate minister of this great church by this same title and this same scripture. It began this way. Dr. J. Howard Olds tells the story of setting off on a family vacation when his children were young. He writes, It was the middle of the summer we loaded our family in an old station wagon, the kind with the wood paneling down the side, and we headed to Florida for a vacation. About 10 miles into the trip, we heard the chant that all parents hear when they take children on vacation. Are we there yet? How much longer? You know, family, normal family conversation. Then about 50 miles into the trip, our 10-year-old son, Wes, posed a question I can never forget. Dad? When we get to where we're going, where will we be? When we get to where we're going, where will we be? Well, I won't speak for you, but it is the question in my heart. If invited by you to be your next associate pastor, what will life in Naples, Florida be like for me? What exciting things will we do together to bring about God's preferred future for this great church? And I can imagine some of the questions that are on your, in your mind. What would it look like to have Dawson as our associate minister? What ideas and gifts does he bring? Is this sermon going to be any good? We all have questions and we all wonder what the future will bring, especially when we enter crossroads like this. 
Later that day, 92% of this congregation elected me to be the associate minister, and I formally began my ministry among you on December 1st, 2013. I remember when one of my closest friends and colleagues suggested that I send my profile to the search committee after he withdrew his candidacy because he did not want to leave the congregation that he was serving at the time. I still laugh with him to this day about being the runner-up for that job. I also remember John Richardson, who served as the chairperson of the search committee, who called and invited me to travel to Naples for an in-person interview long before Zoom existed. I was actually in a hotel room preparing to be picked up for an interview to become the conference minister in another state. When I told John that, he simply responded, as only John can get away with, well, when that doesn't work out, call me back. (laughs) I remember my first meal with the search committee being at Windermere Country Club. And after dinner, Pat McGee, may she rest in peace, leading me from that club to the hotel after dinner in my rental car so that I wouldn't get lost, keeping in mind it was actually one turn, but it was a good thing she did. The week before my associate minister candidacy Sunday, there were 13 get-to-know-you events I remember Bill Robinson, who I saw earlier, showed up at every single one with a notebook full of questions, but he was always fair. I remember being told how the lay leadership called every parent with a child or youth in our family ministries program to ask how they would feel about having an openly gay minister. Just two years later, however, 98% of you would vote to call me as the sixth senior minister. I still have the ballot in my files where someone voted yes as to my call as senior minister and then signed it, God. (laughs) Don't worry, it didn't get counted. I remember negotiating with Alan Olson, who was chairperson of the board of trustees at the time, for my compensation as senior minister one Saturday evening in my office. Although at the time I was 37 and Alan is a graduate of West Point Academy. I don't know how much negotiation actually took place on my part. My predecessor, Reverend Dr. Ron Patterson, once told me that one of the most difficult parts of this job is being pastored to so many people that you care so deeply about and then having to bury them. I always believe and trust Ron, but I did not understand his words until standing in this role. It is impossible to speak to the collective grief that I carry from well over 100 memorial services that I have officiated during my tenure And I still carry your grief as well as my own as I prepare to take leave. 
Many of you may not know that as my first summer as senior minister, we remodeled the sanctuary and resurfaced the parking lot. That summer, we remained at two worship services, worshiping in McSpadden Hall. Formerly, there were metal railings around the chancel, and it was kind of an exciting thing every Sunday because certain parts of the chancel would buckle as you walked across, so you're never quite sure if you would just fall through at some point. So we replaced the chancel floor, we changed the flooring under the pews, we, we had the pews, pews worked on, we made all of the chancel furniture movable, we actually made the chancel table, communion table smaller, And we took one chandelier out because there were just too many for the room and replaced all the light bulbs with LED energy-saving lights. We installed the theatrical lighting, which makes it easier for the chancel to be seen. However, somehow in the communication of all that, a rumor got started at Bargain Box that we were simply taking all of the chandeliers out. And so a petition was started, save the chandeliers. (laughs) I believe that was one of the first fires that I had to put out as senior minister. I'll never forget the day that David Heinemann, who was chair of the Board of Mission and Outreach, sat in my office and told me how lucky the church would be to give away $80,000 to the neighborhood health clinic. Few people understand the fundraising work that a pastor does. So I was struggling with why it would be such a privilege to give away money. But I began to see how much energy and excitement it created, especially when we surpassed that goal by almost 50% and the lifelong friendship that I developed with Nancy Lashide, the clinic's co-founder. I remember when Ken Bruce left an estate gift to the church earmarked for Habitat for Humanity for $25,000. We began to dream big dreams about what it might mean to turn that into $250,000 or the cost of five homes. Instead, you astounded me and the community when we turned it into over $400,000 in about six weeks, or the cost of more than six homes. I will also never forget when we began to hear about a virus that was making its way from China to the United States And when I sent the staff home and had tears in my eyes as the leadership and I met and made the incredibly difficult decision that we would shutter the church for four weeks. And then I said, but don't worry, we'll be back in time for Easter. I was right, just a year off. 
Never could I have imagined or dreamed what it would mean to lead a congregation that would never be able to be together. You cannot imagine the variety of views and opinions about gathering people together. I will never forget the immense joy of Easter at Artist Naples when we finally could gather together. Even though we weren't home yet, we knew that we were well on our way. Just as I will never forget the day that I sat with our leadership and made the decision that it was time for someone else to take the leadership of this church to the next level. On that day in October of 2013, I ended my sermon this way. Because at the end of the day, this is where our faith must guide us. We must be reminded that somehow in the midst of this world, God is at work and God is guiding our steps. Trust me, I am more confident of that today than I have ever been before. I know that even in the uncertainty of questions, doubts, and fears, we gather today to worship the one who guides our steps and brings the fullness of the realm of God to earth. So when we get to where we're going, where will we be? I can with all faith say, I don't know, but I trust God and I trust you. Amen. My friends, receive these words of blessing. Let us go forth into the world and may we know where we are when we get there. And let us go forth from this place to find a self you can live with, a cause you can live for, and a redeemer whose love you can live into. And let us go in peace. Amen.